Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you are encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from Pastor Kevin Miller. 2 Corinthians 2. This is part 5 of a message series we've called Grace to You and Peace. And we're referring to Paul's letters as a field guide for faith. And if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, you know if there's anybody to learn about the wild world of following Jesus from, it's Paul. In fact, this guy's got stories for days, you know? Like it, so what we're doing is we're reading through the New Testament Psalms and Proverbs as a church in 2020. Right now we're in the letters of Paul. And so whatever you, your, your chapter is for Sunday morning, during this series, we're teaching that on that same Sunday. So today, if you're following along with us, you read 2 Corinthians chapter 2. My wife was reading it this morning, and she goes, Kevin, what are you going to teach on today? Because it's kind of a, kind of a challenging, challenging chapter. And, and if we continue to read on, as you guys will see, in just over a week, you're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In fact, I want to read some of what Paul says there, because these are some of the stories that Paul is, has, has gone through and relates lessons to us from. Watch this, 2 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23. He says, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned with rocks, by the way. That was a joke. He was stoned. Get it? It's 830. I'll let it slide. Once I was stoned. Okay, keep going. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of the, the anxiety for all the churches. Listen, if you want to sit, can you imagine sitting around a campfire with the Apostle Paul? Like, you should just be quiet and let him tell stories, you know? Like, what are the, what's the worst thing we can come up with when we're around Paul? It's kind of like what I've learned being around a bunch of army guys here in Clarksville. Like, I ain't got no stories to tell. I'm like, this one time I was paintballing and I got shot and the, and somebody's like oh you want to talk about getting shot sure you have the floor right go on like the apostle Paul here I mean this guy's got stories for days and I'm just thinking if I'm going to learn from anybody what it looks to like to follow Jesus through the hardships of life it's it's this guy and so uh, we we meet up with him today in our text in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and uh, if, you've, if you read today and yesterday, you know these first two chapters of 2 Corinthians deals with a lot of detours that Paul's plans have taken. Uh, he wanted to go visit them, and the last visit was really hard, and he's not sure when he's going to get there again, and there's hard discussions, and there's a lot of things that he's dealing with regarding changing plans, 
which is the theme of 2020, isn't it? And yet, what I love about the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 is that in the middle of him saying, I don't know exactly what the future holds and everything's changed that I tried to plan and all of that, he just takes like four verses and he has like a praise break. He just like stops and goes, actually, you know what? We're victorious in Christ. And God is just always leading us in triumph in Jesus. And we're, our, our, our faith is like a fragrant aroma everywhere we go. And, and he just goes on for a few verses. And I'm just thinking, if there's any consistent discipline that we need in this year, it is this mentality of, man, everything's changing and all my plans have been detoured. But you know what? I'm going to stop and take a praise break. Because I always have something to celebrate. Come on, you with me? We always, in the name of Jesus, have something to celebrate. So that's our thought today. I want to share a message with you. Here's the title. Write it down. Every day is a party. And I'm not talking like life is always easy. And I'm certainly not saying we live in denial. Paul didn't live in denial. He talks all about all of the challenges that he's facing. What I'm saying, though, is that in the middle of whatever you're going through, with Jesus leading, we have no reason not to be rejoicing. That the overall theme of our lives is victory in the name of Jesus. And so we're going to celebrate that today through this text. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul's praise break. Listen to this. He says, you know what, but thanks be to God. He's just talked about, man, these hard things, and I don't know what's happening, and things aren't going according to plan, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always, and by the way, in my Bible, I have that underlined in different colors and circled, always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Now to one, we are a fragrance from death to death, but to the other, a fragrance from life to life. And then he asks an important question. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word. He goes, we're we're not going to water down the truth, and we're not trying to do this for money, like so many others are. But he says, as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. We've got a lot to celebrate. Amen? Now, to fully understand this text, I want to give you three things here in a moment. But before we get there, to fully understand this text, we kind of have to transport back in time a few thousand years to what Paul is using as a visual reference point in this text. Um, For Paul here, and with, with the Roman culture in mind, when he talks about Christ leading us in a triumphal procession, you need to understand that what he's referring to in this culture was what was called a Roman triumph. And a Roman triumph was a big deal. Um, in fact, it was for many people, for most people, a once-in-a-lifetime thing to behold and especially to ever be a part of. 
A Roman triumph was a military parade displaying victory that proceeded through the streets of Rome to the capital. Now, let me kind of, I, I, wanna, I want you to kind of visualize this as much as possible. This is a very big, loud, noisy, exciting parade that went through the streets of Rome as they were headed to the capital after a big military defeat. And so it would be started, the first people you would see as the parade was coming down the street, if you can kind of imagine this, the first people you would see would be the senators, the, the, the leaders, and they would be followed by the trumpeters, trumpeters making a bunch of noise, letting the whole city know that the Roman triumph is coming. And behind the trumpeters, what's interesting is that they would have the spoils from the city they just conquered. So they would be displaying things that they took from the city, and they were victorious over that city. And here's the proof. Here's all their stuff. And if that wasn't enough, they would often have, art, uh, they, they would have artists uh, paint and sculpt pictures of the, the, the conquering of this land. So you've got the, 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 state, the leaders, the senators, you've got the trumpeters, and then you've got the spoils and the art depicting the defeat of this, this land. And behind that, then, you would have some guys in chains. These were the leaders of the city that just got conquered. And they would often be stripped down in chains. These were the final humiliating hours of their lives before imprisonment and most likely public execution. And they were being paraded through the streets of Rome as the proof that Rome is in power. Rome took the victory. Behind those prisoners, then, would be some bodyguards. Behind them would be more musicians making more noise because the trumpeters weren't enough in the beginning. They got to have some more music after, after the, the, the prisoners. And after the trumpeters then would come the priests. And the priests would often have incense. You read, and we'll come back to it, about the fragrance everywhere this triumph went. Well, the the priests would have incense burning. So uh, even from a distance, you could smell victory coming. You could smell what was coming through the streets of Rome. And so there, there were the priests and the incense. And behind the priests was the victorious general himself, arrayed in, in splendor. And behind the general were the victorious warriors. Are you picking up? There's a lot of floats in this parade, okay? Behind the general was the victorious army. And the victorious army, I mean, they didn't just get back from the battlefield. They went home and cleaned up and dressed up nice. And they were dressed to impress. And they were crying out their battle cry. And this whole thing was this beautiful, ornate, artistic, amazing display of power and authority and victory. To put it in modern day terms, you might think of the Olympics opening ceremony on steroids, okay? Now, what's different for us and them is that because of technology, many of us, as we tune into the Olympics, might see dozens of these opening ceremonies and and these beautiful, ornate 
parades that they spend millions and millions of dollars on. But for a Roman citizen, this was typically a once-in-a-lifetime thing to see and especially to be a part of. This was something that they would talk about for years to come after the Roman triumph moved through the city. So are you imagining this? I want you to understand that as Paul was writing in a Roman culture, this is what's on the mind of his audience. It's important to remember when we're, when we're studying God's word that God's word was not written about you, and it was not even written to you. Paul didn't write to the United States of America. Paul wrote to his modern-day audience, and it turns out that God's Word is timeless, and there are always principles for us to learn, even from a culture that is long gone, thousands of, we're thousands of years removed from. But we have, to rem- we have to try to put ourselves in their culture to fully understand what, what we're seeing here, and so I'm hoping that you're, you're, you're taking this in. This was a spectacular once-in-a-lifetime thing to be a part of or to witness. Now, as grandiose as that is, here's what I would submit to you. Our victory in Christ is far greater. Roman triumph. That's a cute little parade. That's nice. But we are following our victorious general, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one at whose name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, and we are the victorious army walking behind him in victory, right? And we've got our own war cries, we've got scripture, we've got songs that God's put on our heart, and we just, in the middle of everything changing in life, need to regularly go, no, you know what? God is always leading us in triumph in Jesus Christ. In the moments of my greatest defeat, I am victorious in the name of Jesus. And that's what we see right here. I want to give you three quick things. Would you write this down? Number one, Jesus won the victory, but we get to walk in it. It was him that won the battle, right? The Roman triumph, the warriors, the soldiers were the ones who won the battle. This one's different, though. Jesus won the battle. We just kind of like got to tag along with him for fun, you know? And he uses us and and, and we're part of the victory, but it's actually Jesus' victory. What I love about this victory parade that we are constantly in as followers of Jesus is that, you know, in a, in a normal parade, if you've been to a normal parade, it's nothing like this, and you're normally on the sidelines sitting on the asphalt getting pelted by Jolly Ranchers, you know, like <laughs> slightly different experience. Um. Or if you're in the float, you're pelting people with Jolly Ranchers, you know. Uh, This one's different because we're actually in the parade. We're in this triumphal procession. We are being led by General Jesus, and we're the soldiers. We We get to walk behind him in victory. And so his death, his 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 life and death, his victory over death empowers us to claim the victory in life because of what he's done, because of who he is, because of his resurrection, we are victorious in his, in his name. And now let me clarify here because I know that there are lots of different people in lots of different seasons that you're in right now. 
And the last thing I want you to think is that what I'm trying to say is that that following Jesus is easy. I'm not saying that. If you've been around Awaken for any length of time, you'll know that's not the reality, and we, we, we say it how it is here. Following Jesus isn't easy. I'm also, just, uh, I'm also not saying that you should put on a fake smile and pretend like everything's okay in your life. Again, if you've been around Awaken, you know that this is a place where we regularly say, it's okay if you're not okay. This is not a place for everybody who's got it all put together and figured out. This is a place for anybody, no matter what kind of stuff you're dealing with or what you've done in the past, you just come. And I'm not talking about that this is not to say that every day following Jesus will be fun and easy. What I am saying is that in the moments of our greatest defeat, in the seasons where we feel the worst, the overall theme of our life as a follower of Jesus is victory in the name of Jesus. And so Jesus won the victory, but we get to walk in it. And so there's victory through the misery, I guess is what I'm trying to say. There's purpose in the pain. The setback is the setup for what God wants to do in your life. There's power in whatever season you're in, even in the pain. And so I guess I would just say to you that since Jesus is leading us in victory, then don't let the devil rain on your parade. Right? Now, that's different from a normal parade because a normal parade, you've got to like cross your fingers and hope it doesn't rain on your parade. You have no control over that. But in the victory parade, you have control over it. Why? Because the devil is dangerous, but he's defeated. Okay? And so the devil only has as much power over your life as God allows him to have and as you allow him to have in your life. And so it's Jesus' victory, but we get to walk in it. Number two, write this down. Everywhere we go, there he is. Jesus is who I'm speaking of. Everywhere we go, as followers of Jesus, there he is. As Jesus followers, as we, as, as we call ourselves Christians, which means like Christ, little Christ, as followers of Jesus, we take Jesus with us everywhere we go. The Roman triumph was once in a lifetime. But triumph in the name of Christ is a lifestyle. It's just what we do. It's, it's, it's what we walk in. Everywhere we go, there's Jesus. The Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ, meaning everywhere we go, we represent Jesus. We don't take vacations as ambassadors of Christ. We're always on the job, even on a vacation, representing Jesus. Everywhere we go, there he is. He's with us. He's in what we're doing. And and so the, the Roman triumph, remember I, I told you that, you know, toward the end of the, the parade, right before the, the general and the army were the priests with the incense. And so like I said, you know, you could smell the victory parade, the Roman triumph coming toward you. But what's interesting is that, so when Paul says in, uh, in verse, verse 14, that through us, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. That's what Paul is envisioning. 
the the fragrance of victory is coming from our lives. Now, but 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 here's the unique thing. The catch is that the smell of victory is only sweet to some people in our lives. Follow me on this. Look look again at verse 15. He says, "We're the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing." And in verse 16, he says, "To one Honestly, we're kind of a fragrance from death to death. But to the other, a fragrance of life to life. So I guess what Paul is getting at here is that God in you, God in me, produces mixed responses in the lives of the people around us. Because the smell of victory is only sweet to the other people who get it. The smell of victory, think about the Roman triumph. The smell of victory was only sweet to the nose of the Roman. Because they smelled victory. But the, peop- the, the leaders from the city that just got ransacked and are in chains, they're smelling the exact same aroma of victory, but it smells putrid in their nose because it's defeat. And so I think it's an important reminder to us that God in us will produce a different response to people around us depending on God in us and whether or not God is in them. Now, there should always be like a winsome attitude that we have that is alluring and intriguing and drawing the non-believer in. But we just also have to own the reality that some people aren't going to get it, and some people are repulsed by the victory that we walk in. Paul says it right here. For some, it's kind of like the smell of death. Because they feel defeat. Not because we're condemning them. Not because we are, we are wanting their defeat. But because the devil has them in a place where they feel defeated. And we pray that our lives would be lived and our words would be spoken in a way that it would become the fragrance of life to life. Through the name of Jesus. And so, I think this is also a good reminder that we can't just, we should not just huddle around with other Christians. We need one another. This is important. We talk about this all the time. You need God, but you also need God's people. We need to gather. We, we need to be with one another. This is important. But let's also be reminded here that we are the fragrance of Christ to a dying world. And, and our, we are surrounded by a world that needs the sweet smell of victory at some point in their lives because they're living in defeat and they're trying to find victory and they can't find it because why? They need Jesus. And we have that fragrance in our lives coming from us. Now, in contrast to a lot of the other preachers in Paul's day, Paul mentions that he is commissioned by God and they, are, they, they have a ministry. The word he uses is sincerity, a ministry of sincerity. Would you write this down? Here's number three. I, I need you to know this about your ministry. Number three, your ministry isn't in question. Your motives are. Come on, let that sink in for a minute. Because Paul asks an important question here in verse 16. He says, who's sufficient for this? 
Who is sufficient to live a life that is constantly like this fragrance of Christ? It's a valid point that he makes. Who is sufficient? I mean, the answer is, apart from Jesus, no one's sufficient to accurately give off the fragrance of life and victory. Apart from Jesus, we can't do this. Paul asks, who is sufficient for this. But I want you to also know that Jesus changes everything. See, in the Roman triumph, the the people in chains had no hope. They had been ransacked by the Romans and probably within hours would be dead. I want you to know that even when you are in a place of chains and you feel like the, the future is dark, I want you to know that you... It, see, it didn't work this way in the Roman triumph. When you were locked up in chains, there, you were beyond hope at that point. But I want you to know, in the victory parade of Christ, you can go from chains to eventually the victorious army following Jesus. There's hope always in the name of Jesus. And, and Paul says, who is even sufficient for these? And I think what he's getting at is, here's Paul who used to kill Christians. And now he's a Christ preacher, church planter, with Jesus, anything is possible. He changes, he changes everything. So every follower of Jesus, listen, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, I need you to know that you are called, empowered, and equipped for ministry. You're like, I didn't go to seminary. And? Where'd you read that in the Bible? It's great. Learning is good. I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying you don't need a degree hanging on the wall to be in ministry. You don't even need a title to be in ministry. You've got the Holy Spirit as a down payment in your soul, and you have everything you need right now for the season and the ministry God's called you to. So you are empowered. Paul, Paul, the, the word Paul uses here is they are commissioned by God. So you are called, equipped, empowered. The problem is not everyone is sincere in their motives. And Paul is calling that out here. The goal is sincerity. So I guess the question for us is, how do we make sure that as we follow Jesus, our motives are sincere? I think the trick is found in verse 17 in a real simple statement that that Paul makes. He says, as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Here's what Paul is saying. I actually only have one member in my audience, and it's God. And I'm not aiming to please anybody else. Because listen, when you live to please other people, it's going to water down the truth. You're going to start walking around trying to make other people happy and bend over backwards and and sidestepping the hard truths. Paul says, no, my audience is God, and sometimes people don't like that, and that's okay. In the sight of God, we speak in Christ. He could say he was commissioned, but he could also say he was sincere because he knew his motives. So, I think I just need you to know today that Jesus isn't only, because listen, I I know when I talk about like Jesus is leading us in triumph, there's there's a decent amount of people 
across this campus and joining us online or at a watch party today, there's a decent amount of people who go, I get that. I connect with that. God's doing some great things in my life. And you know, I've, been, I've been faithful financially, and God's really been blessing that. Or we've, made, we've taken a step of faith, and God's really honoring that. And I feel God's presence, and I feel close. There's a good amount of people maybe that could, could resonate with that. But I imagine there's probably just as many people who go, man, I wish I felt victorious in my life. I'm just not feeling it right now. Can I just tell you here that Paul is making no reference to how you feel right here? He's just stating facts. He's saying Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. I guess I just need you to know that he's not only leading you victoriously when you feel victorious. That's what I'm getting at. The message, paraphrase, puts it this way, verse 14. God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. That's our life. Our life is, even in the valleys, with the questions and the doubt and the challenges, our life is a victory parade of what God is, can do in someone who is far from Christ and has been raised to new life in Christ. So even in the places of the greatest defeat, from the cancer ward to the unemployment office, from the funeral home to the nursing home, from hospital to hospice, in the moments and the places and the seasons of your greatest defeat, here's what I know to be true. If you are a follower of Jesus, he is always leading you in victorious procession. That, that's just the reality. I don't feel like it. That, that doesn't make the truth any different. Whether you feel defeated or not, is beside, I'm not even here to talk about your feelings today. I'm here to talk about, here's what God's word says to be true. Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. We have a reason to celebrate Always. See, victory sets us apart from the rest of the world. The world is working and fighting for victory. They're trying to get money, and they're trying to get power, and they're trying to get influence, and they're trying to get success. We don't fight for victory. We fight from it. Come on. We are following the, our, our general, Jesus. He has defeated the enemy. And so how can we be victorious even when life hurts? Well, kind of simple. The, the devil is dangerous, but he's been defeated. And death itself has been crushed because Jesus died, and now he's alive. And I'm just thinking if the devil is defeated and death is defeated, what's left for us to be afraid of we are victorious in the name of jesus and and the overall theme of our lives even when life hurts is that jesus is alive and i will rejoice and when everything else in my life changes and i don't know what the future holds i'm going to go back to second corinthians 2 4 because thanks be to god who in christ is always leading me in victory and my life Come on, my life is going to be a fragrance of Christ everywhere I go. I'm not going to walk around like a weighed down warrior. I'm going to stand up tall like a victorious warrior that God has called me to be because that's who I am in the name of Jesus. You with me? 
Every day is a party in the name of Jesus. And if you want that victory in your life, here's how simple it is. The Bible says that all of us have fallen short of God's glory. And that the wages of our sin is death, meaning eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the Bible says that God loved us so much that he demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died in our place for us. And if we would believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and has been raised from the dead, you will be saved. And that means the theme of your life can be victory in the name of Jesus. And if you want that, God is inviting you into it right now. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.